Hello, everyone, and welcome to Educative Sessions, a podcast series with people in the developer world about their coding experiences. This is brought to you by Educative, which makes it easy for authors to provide interactive and adaptive courses for software developers. My name is Lingo, and I am the host of Educative Sessions. And today, my guest is a return guest in uh, Shan Wang, who uh, wants to talk a lot about um, optimizing your time, especially in an entrepreneurial space. Uh, Sean, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back, Lee. Uh, it was a great fun last time and um, looking forward to a different conversation with updated thoughts. Absolutely. I think uh, we last talked maybe two years ago. Yeah. We, we appreciate guests that um, whether they have updates or even just full on regrets of their last time with our show, that they're willing to come back and you know explain themselves. Not at all the case with you, though. We had a great time last time. And um, I like this is a, you know, a, a new topic, another topic that you are passionate about as well, uh, which is to talk a lot about uh, more of the entrepreneurial side of the tech world, right? You are a had a developer experience, fantastic. Um, but there's a lot more insight um, that you wanted to share that goes into building, you know, tech companies. So um, I wanted to hear what's the perspective like from both a developer and a startup perspective and, you know, what, why you wanted to talk about this today. I think that a lot of developers kind of view their careers as progressing up of a ladder. You know, you go from entry level to senior and then senior to staff and staff to principal. And then maybe you move over into management and then you go up that ladder of progression as well. Um, but that is the game that people impose on you to play. Um, but really there is a wider world of possibilities when you view your time as an investment rather than as something that you sell just to, get uh, you know career progression in terms of a career letter in exchange. So that's kind of what I think about in, ter in terms of investing your time. Um, I think people should treat their time or you know their, their work hours as currency that they can invest just like they would as an, uh, as a venture capitalist or as a founder. Um, and it really has a very fine difference between, a founder and employee when it comes to startups in particular, but even if, even in a large company, you can also think about your investing your time in certain projects with certain risk profiles. And I think once you move to a investment mindset, maybe you make different choices that have disproportionate impact compared to just being slightly better at coding. You know, just being uh, slightly. Uh, more better communication. Those those are good skills to have career wise, but they're not going to break you into a different category altogether. Okay. I have a I mean a follow up question to a lot of that is because there's a lot in the tech world that people talk about when it comes to mindset, and I do think that getting to a notion of you know instead of selling your labor, you're selling your time in a sense, and that time um, can flourish in other places. Do you think there is a threshold to which people need to attain in order to be able to think that? It, it's not as simple as just snapping your fingers and say, okay, this is now why we think of time. Like, um, there's just still need to be skills and experience cultivated before we get to that point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so for sure, uh, this is a high-class problem and something that um, probably you should have some base level of security in the industry uh, or at least technical competency to fall back on when you make a bad choice. And taking risks involves the possibility of a 
a less than ideal outcome. And you kind of do have to roll with that a little bit. Um, but having sufficient buffer or sufficient job security in a sense that um, you, know, you have a network, you have a reputation, you have a prior experience that you can always fall back on enables you to take more risks. So I think definitely this, 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 this kind of discussion that we're gonna have is a bit more of a mid to later career uh, stage conversation than for someone just breaking into the industry. Got it, got it. Um, kind of following up on that, like how um, should coders, you know, um, think about their work moving forward in a lot of ways, right? Um, like a lot of times, um, you know, I think the, the question I had for you earlier was, um, there's a lot of emphasis on quality and there's a lot of emphasis on making it right and just so um, versus for a lot of people who are in the business side of things, they're thinking about product market fit and they're trying to think about things that uh, can make a sale or make a transaction, even if the engineering is not quite there. Um, why is it that this, this conflict has come up in several sessions and it comes up all the time um, within the industry? Is there some kind of natural inclination to uh, us not being aligned when it comes to uh, both thinking about, yes, we force we want to make something that's technologically advanced, but also something that is meaningful and that has a, uh, a value, um, perhaps even a value that's ascribed to you know, a currency uh, out in the business world. Yeah, um, I guess there's a culture of developers who kind of view themselves as distinct from the business side of the equation. Um, you know, traditionally that would be handed over to product management or sales or, uh, or the executive leadership. But uh, I think that people should take more active roles in that because it so impacts people's evaluation of how well you did. Uh, most people, if they don't code with you, they don't sit next to you, they're never gonna know about the quality of your code. All they can evaluate is the impact of your code. And the impact has a lot to do with whether or not the code solves a material problem. Uh, the code has sufficient resources to uh, get it to completion, whether or not it's design or marketing or you know, any other, other billion non-technical things that go into making uh, products work in the, in the business sense. Um, yeah, so I think developers should just, should uh, definitely view that as a bigger part of their job, mostly because it determines so much of what we think. So for example, if I tell you that I was an early engineer from Uber, you automatically think better of me just because Uber was a financial success but I could be a terrible engineer. Like <laughs> you don't know, right. you most of the time you just evaluate people based on the business outcome rather than the actual technological uh, breakthrough and definitely the individual technological breakthrough that you did. We just don't know. <laughs> right, right. And I, I mean, there's no, uh, like it would be great, but it just would be unfair, especially for people who are well tenured um, to give them a trial period or whatever. I guess some probational periods exist, but uh, it's, I, I do not envy the work of hiring at all. I mean, they can go through so much uh, review and evaluation and testing. And even then, like in practice, the people just aren't the quite the kind of fits, right? And that's really no different than any other, you know, one could say if we're looking at it from an investment standpoint is that there's presumptions of loss to be taken. Um, I want to transition into, you know, you know, you thinking less like an engineer, which is, you know, uh, one of your priorities right now to much more of an investor, right? Um, what are uh, investors constantly looking for? What is like the thing that 
when people approach them or when people, uh, you know, at least are trying to like um, pick their brains a little bit more, how sh should they do so? How, what, or what are the kind of logics that all investors tend to have, right? That, that, that's an interesting um, uh, way to ask the question. Mm -hmm. So the traditional answer would be some mix of people, product and market, something like that. Uh, there, there's different um, ways to slice this in terms of evaluating uh, any investment opportunity that comes along. Uh, but I think just waking yourself up to the fact that you need the sufficient criteria on one of the axes to succeed and then nothing fatal on any of the other criteria to, to not fail. Um, and various investors will will bet on different aspects of that triangle that I just outlined. So some people will say, well, no matter what you're betting on, you're betting on the people. The people are the ones that you're investing in. And ultimately when they make a pivot or when they make any changes in, in the future that they could not have foreseen, you're betting on their judgment call. So ultimately you're betting on the people and the cap their capability to lead the projects, whatever you're investing in. Um, and second, and another way to view it is that ultimately you're betting on the market because whatever the market wants, you will eventually have to evolve the company towards supplying. And if you fail to do so, you, you will not succeed. And if you do it very well, then you will uh, explode enormously. So picking the right market is half the battle um, because if you invested in a company that has great founders, but a terrible, not growing market that has poor economics, then you won't you have your a lot of tailwinds uh, against you. So um, headwinds, not tailwinds. Um, so stuff like that. And, and then obviously I think uh, the product has to be high quality, like people have to know how to ship. Um, and sometimes just the product doesn't fail to inspire the imagination of, uh, of users and customers for whatever reason. Um, so I think evaluating some, something like that is, is really cool. Um, the problem comes when you're one person and you're, there's so many things out there that is whizzing by every single day and everything could be interesting. Everything could be the next big thing. Uh, but you know that most of them will not be the next big thing. So how do you filter and choose? Um, and so this is where I get asked a lot. Like, and, and you know, keep in mind, like when I say investing, I mean in a very broad sense, not just in terms of contributing your money, but also contributing your time to learning the thing, to, um, to building on top of it, to building a network and a reputation in that technology, whatever you're choosing to pick on. Uh, you want to be early, but you don't have to be early enough that you are burnt too often, but you want to be early so that you have time to build the things that are missing, to mm -hmm. uh, get to know everyone that and everything that has been done in that field, uh, and then to grow together with that technology that you bet on. Um, and I think that's a lot of what's investing your time and your your money looks like uh, just picking the right technology to invest in and build on um, so i talked a little bit about the overwhelm so the final piece of this is having a good filter um, which is just accepting that you will not have you will not know everything in the world in fact your average performance will be negatively impacted if you try to keep tabs on every single thing but if you have a small expertise uh, of your domain that you know very well, that you know, and you constantly have a lookout for what you think the big problems in your domain are. And when the right solution comes along, then you'll be in the right place to go all in on it, where others 
are superficial and wait for more evidence. Um, and I really like that idea that uh, essentially you, you pick a small number of fields to focus on and then you just ignore everything else or you treat everything else as entertainment like sports or, or uh, you know, celebrity gossip. Um, and you can just kind of filter that out. And I think that's very good for mental health as well, because there's a lot of stress uh, that goes on if you try to know everything. Absolutely. I think that's a very wise way to frame it all. And those are a lot of things to keep in mind, um, which I think uh, it's a nice lesson in what you're sharing that like investor psychology is complex and complexity is not a vice. Like do your homework, understand a lot of these different nuances, right? Um, and, you know, as someone who's been pretty successful so far, I might say, Sean, uh, you've seen two, quote, oh, you. unicorns uh, go to exit. And, uh, you know, I guess my last question for you is, you know, how did you evaluate that um, you were actually working on something truly valuable when it comes to, and like, how did, was there an assurance that you knew that these were going to be successful endeavors? Um, and was that mm -hmm. evaluation, you know, um, entirely something that you and your team were able to think through or what were some other factors involved as well yeah so a couple things i wanted to correct there um the unicorns that i've been a part of have not exited oh, they have they've just been marked up <laughs> to uh to a stage so on paper they've done well but uh, you never really know until uh they're fully out of the gates mm -hmm. um and then the second question, which is, uh, you know, how much of that was intentional? Uh, the first was not intentional at all. They found me. And the second was more intentional in that I wrote about the problem that I was trying to solve and they found me again, uh, but specifically for that prob problem. Uh, but I think this one, uh, you know, both opportunities came about very much because of the learning public movement um, in the sense that uh, I was demonstrating that I was willing to learn. I was uh, very engaged in the uh, problem space of web domain, uh, web development, uh, you know, first and foremost, and then uh, microservice orchestration, which is kind of what Temporal does today. Um, and, you know, basically when you put out a bad signal and you, you talk about, you know, what you think is missing and what you think is, is doing well, people find you because they have shared interests uh, and that increases your luck surface area of, of things, of uh, positive things that can happen to, to you. So my first job was a fairly dead end job, but because I was doing this on the side, because I was, I was pretty frustrated at in my day job, but took it out by <laughs> uh, doing doing stuff on the side, um, that actually led to the, the first opportunity with Netlify. Um, and now with them being uh, a unicorn twice over, um, it, it really did not seem like that when you when you start when I started out, um, but I think looking backwards, I, I was better able to understand like what matters and what doesn't when it comes to building something like that because I was a small part of that journey. Um, and then when it came to being at Amazon and then leaving Amazon for a pre-revenue startup that uh, that nobody had ever heard of and like uh, it wasn't very sure what it wasn't very clear what the value was. I had a bit more confidence in this, in the fact that I could evaluate this independently without social proof, like before social proof happens. And also that I could have a material impact if I was a part of the company rather than just being along for the ride. So that's something that I think um, people should feel more agency about um, in, in their careers. Like you're not just betting on the company, you're betting on your ability to influence the company as well. 
Um, and the more you actually believe that and are able to show that, then I think the more valuable your career becomes, at least in the startup career track. This is not for everybody, right? right. for sure. Right. I think, um, I, I mean, it's one of those things, I don't like to tell people that, um, that, you know, the startup world is not for everybody. Um, I think from a pure sustainability standpoint, not every single person can be in entrepreneurship. <laughs> um, and that yeah. it actually does require uh, a lot of a little bit of insanity coupled with a lot of brilliance, right? To to be able to push through so much of this. Um, but it seems like, uh, and a lot of it is, you know, what I've heard. One of most, like the the fun stories I hear, almost everybody says, like it was never goes according to plan. In fact, like a lot of success is a surprise. Um, but to be available to that surprise, right? For example, your work in Learn in Public, what made you available and known uh, in order to be approached in certain ways and that couldn't have been possibly anticipated beforehand and i find that really cool you know uh so that's all the questions i have for you this time around sean unless there's um anything further you'd like to share um this is your time as we've done before to do a shameless plug like you can share what you're working on what you could be working on with us the floor is yours oh yeah um so i talk a little bit more about strategy and i think uh, part of you know, I, I have a course with Educative on uh, the general concept of career strategy. And I think I take a very different approach to it than a lot of people because I had come at it with an investor mindset. So this is something I really wanted to emphasize and I think it's worked out for me. So uh, that's why I really want to um, share it with people as well. Um, you know, it, it is the only way in which I think, uh, to put it bluntly, like you can sort of break out or 10x your revenue or sorry your earnings or your sort of uh, return on time um, not simply by working harder but by working smarter on the the right problems and so I think when people think about strategy they don't think enough about um, the economic model of the company that they work at uh, they don't really think about the mega trends that are pushing their company along as is a broader wave that um, you know that that are tailwinds to their effort, um, and they don't think about how to be early in a company and how rewarding it is to be early. Um, so basically, if you ever want to be a, a lot of a lot of career tracks will sort of cap out in terms of uh, what they what they pay you, but I think um, if you are more of an if you take more of an investor mindset, then that cap goes away which uh, I really liked. I don't want to promise people, but I think that people should think about more often because um, it really happens. And there's a small set of people that really understand this. Got it. Got it. Um, you know, interesting. I think uh, that uh, like, even if it's a small set of people that like, there might be something more to it for a lot of people as well, who might have pretty conventional ways to think about these things. But you know, the recommendation is, you know, educate yourself and learn a lot more. Right. So, yeah. Uh, Sean Wong, thank you so much once again for coming back to our show and really appreciate being a guest with us and also just a general educative supporter. Um, I also want to thank people who are watching us on YouTube or listening to us on various uh, podcasting apps as well. You can check out more of our work um, on those uh, platforms and you can also look us up if you're interested about what we do at Educative at Educative.io. So for all of us here at Educative, thank you so much and happy learning. Bye-bye now. Hi. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed this educative session. Be sure to check out more on YouTube or on any podcasting app. And be sure to like this episode and don't forget to subscribe to our channel. Happy learning.